do you regret, let's say, a lot of women have gotten divorced by the time they're 40s or 50s, right? I'm like, well, what do you regret? When you start working out what the word regret means to them, um, they wish they had known better. It's like, but you didn't. And what have you learned from that? Well, how, how, how are you using this now for the women you are now? What, what is your purpose now? And then what are your goals now? And you can really grow from that. It's like, okay, this is who I am now. And this is what I've learned. And this is what I won't accept. This is what I will accept for myself. And that's good. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, my friend. I, I want to start off by saying that I'm guessing your load feels heavy right now. I imagine you might be feeling overwhelmed. Maybe that's because that's how I've been feeling. There's a lot going on in the world. But here's the thing. Humans are resilient creatures, and you are human. Yay! You know, the the news of the day comes and goes. And when it comes down to it, our ancestors survived some tough times. And you already have too. And so we can going forward as well. And when we come together to support each other, we grow even stronger. You know, if if you're feeling tired of lifting that load by yourself or feeling lonely, I want to let you know that you don't have to go it alone. I've been learning that lesson over and over ever since I started this podcast, and especially since hosting the Midlife Uprising Summit. Just how amazing for everybody to come together to get that done. And so many of my guests on the podcast have told me that they succeeded in turning their lives around or getting past being stuck because they sought help whether through a life coach or a group program of some sort. And it's something I hear consistently. Also, did you know that loneliness is actually dangerous for your health? Seriously, a report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine points out that more than one-third of adults aged 45 and older feel lonely. I'm raising my hand right now because I was certainly feeling that way when I was in my 40s. Recent studies found that um, social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes. It's a, it's a risk that can rival those smoking, obesity, physical inactivity, and social isolation was associated with, that, with about a 50% increased risk of dementia. I mean, let that sink in for a little bit. So a few years ago, I was introduced to the idea of picking a word for the year. You know, picking a word, you may have heard of this, picking a word that can act as like a a kind of a North Star and help you set your intentions for the year. My word for 2022 is community. And I've decided to lean into that word by starting the Midlife Uprising community for women who are ready to make waves as they get older. I'm very excited about this. 
So if you want some companionship and support, I invite you to join us. I am having a launch party on July 12th. It'll be on Zoom at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And you can get more information at midlifeuprising.com about the whole shebang and sign up to join the community. And if you join before July 1st, you'll get the first three months as a trial membership to see if it's a good fit for you. So that said, my guest today is Ronnie Loiza. She's also known as Ronnie Lowe, the life coach. Ronnie started off her career in news broadcasting, but she found a passion for fitness and wellness in her 40s that led her to changing her career to become a personal trainer. And then she realized she was spending a good bit of time talking to her clients about mindset. So now, in her late 50s, she's pivoting to become a holistic life coach. So I'm just going to let her tell her story. Without further ado, here's Ronnie Loiza. Let's go. Hey, Ronnie, thank you so much for being with me today. Hello, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks. So I always like to say how I met people. You and I have kind of crossed paths here and there in Clubhouse. We connected and poof, here we are. Here we are. Although it's I been just, a while, hasn't it? It's been since, the, it's been over six months, but that doesn't mean we haven't seen each other. It just means it took us a while to actually connect to do your wonderful podcast. But yeah. I, I was I was teasing you this morning, but I'll share with your following and your audience is I do calisthenics every morning. That became a habit um, during the pandemic. Um, when this first started and, and COVID closure started in March 2020, I was a personal trainer and I thought I was a badass being able to do like 20 pushups, you know, because women just don't do pushups. We just I'm, don't. I'm pretty proud of my 40 or 50 pushups, I, I will say. That's and awesome. It was, it took me a while to get there. I used to have to go on the knees, you know, and it was a slow buildup. Oh, your but toes. You do them on the toes. I'm on the toes, baby. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And so I started adding, seriously, Yvonne, I started adding one or two a morning. That's it. That's it. And um, I got up to 60. I'm like, well, I'll just keep going. I got up to 80. I'll just keep going. So I got up to 100. And the reason I don't go over 100, sometimes 110, I'll polish off on the knees because I do the toes. Um, is because I only give myself three to five minutes of calisthenics. It started out with one minute a morning. And it just goes to show it starts here. Of course, it's physical, but it starts here. It's like just yeah, one it starts more. with the decision, right? It starts one more squat. So this morning, I was going to get together with you, and I was downstairs to do my calisthenics, and I have to connect it. I call it habit chaining. I have to link it to something. So I say I'm brushing my teeth because my calisthenics are part of brushing my teeth. In other words, if I'm brushing my teeth, I have to do the calisthenics first. It's just part of it. And that's how you can have it. Ah. So before I did anything and I turned on Clubhouse to scroll through real quick, if I could listen to some kind of, yay, you know, people share wins or a great morning thing. And I saw your name. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's on here already. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm really embarrassed because I talk about Clubhouse all the time. I, I don't know about you, but I've met so many incredible people, had so many great conversations, learned so much, and, and connected with people outside of Clubhouse. It, it's crazy. But it's funny because it, it's bled over. I hope bled's the right grammatical tense. <laughs> let's connect on Instagram. And then I've done people's podcasts and they've been on as my guests on my Facebook. And I feel like we're friends. Like I noticed your name this morning and I've never met you in person one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. But the connection has been really good. 
if you use social media in the right way, that is, you don't use it as an excuse to hide behind to procrastinate to do your work or your family. If you use it the right way, it's a great way to get out there and meet people, collaborate, just become friends, inspire people, be inspired, and also to get a following and, and to find people who need your services. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Ronnie, I want to go back to before you were doing your life coaching for women, because you coach women in midlife, right? Yes. No, not just midlife. I happen to be in midlife and I started out with women in midlife, but women in their thirties and twenties and forties were tapping on me for advice. And I thought, well, why should I just say midlife just because I'm in midlife? I thought that's all the women I could attract, but midlife now, and I'll let you go on. Sorry. I know I interrupted midlife. Yvonne, haven't you really found that it's whatever the woman defines as midlife? I have women. Yeah, It's a huge swath who have kids. Um, in college, and I have women in their 50s who have kids in elementary school, you know, and I find women in their 60s who are saying they're in midlife. So really, it's become whatever you decide midlife is. Right. It's a big, it's a big unidentified window of time, because who knows when you're going to die? <laughs> so how do you define the middle, really, yeah. you know, and we're living longer and longer. So, you know, it, it, it just explain you know, and I, I, go back and look at this. And when I first started the podcast, I was thinking 50 ish because that's yeah. where I was. And then as I, as I looked at my own, um, journey, I, I realized that my midlife journey started in my mid thirties. That's when some mm. of my values started to change. I started what I wanted started to change and it's just incredible. And now I, and I kind of feel like, I feel like I might claim midlife until maybe I'm until maybe I'm in my 60s or 70s, 70s. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I, don't you find that most, a lot of women, I'm not going to say most, I shouldn't say most, a lot of women started reinventing themselves um, now in the past two years, in the past three years, and we're all in our 50s in, or late 40s or early 60s because life is changing and it's like, okay, am I redefining myself? what is my life purpose? And I know that sounds all woo-woo, but the thing is, your life purpose, you have to go back to your core values and remind yourself, what is my life purpose? What are my core values? And we have grown with our experiences. Um, and maybe that has changed. Maybe our core values have changed or a few of them, or we've tweaked them. And what is my purpose now, starting today and on? And I know my midlife, this may sound a little, I don't know, um, vain, but I, I was made midlife because of looks. I realized I'm still going at it like I did in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s as far as my ambition and my, my, my drive, but I've got wrinkles. So I realized society is looking at me and calling me ma'am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ma'am, okay. <laughs> and then I look at myself like, oh yeah, I got the jowls dropping. Okay. But I don't feel so-called old or whatever midlife is supposed to be other than I've got the experience now that I wish I had in my 20s. You know, I don't live in regret, but I don't consider regret a bad word. What do you think of the word regret, by the way? Because I don't consider it a bad word. If you regret something, I, I see it as a lesson. I don't think you, I, you know, I don't think you can get through life without regrets, um, but hopefully you don't beat yourself up over them for too long no. and you use that like failure. I think failure gets a bad rap when all it is, is a, it's a life lesson. 
it's a, oops that failed yeah, yeah. well that and that too means if you look at it if you reframe the idea around failure mm -hmm. it means that you tried something that was a little beyond your reach and good for you that's amazing yeah. hopefully we're all doing that all the time so the more you can fail you the, the the better and eventually then you're gonna you're gonna tip the balance of oh okay now I can do that thing that I wasn't able to do back then. Exactly. And the word regret can mean a lot of things. And I'm finding in my coaching that, that women are living with regret. It's like, well, let's look at that relationship with you, with the word regret with you. Do you regret, let's say a lot of women have gotten divorces by the time they're forties or fifties, right? I'm like, well, what do you regret? And when you start working out what the word regret means to them, um, they wish they had known better. It's like, but you didn't. And what have you learned from that? Well, how, how, how are you using this now for the woman you are now? What, what is your purpose now? And then what are your goals now? And you can really grow from that. It's like, okay, this is who I am now. And this is what I've learned. And this is what I won't accept. This is what I will accept for myself. And that's good. And that's a good thing. So not following in the past, but moving on being now in the present is, I mean, that's what meditation is all about, isn't it? It's just being right now, every second right now. That doesn't mean you don't have a back history. That doesn't mean you don't have thoughts that into your mind while you meditate. It's like, okay, that's a thought. Okay, that's a thought. And then there's the future, but don't live in the future either. Look forward to the future. But if you live in the now, the mindfulness, regret's okay because that helps you define or set where you are now, where you were then, and where you want to be. So it's really the, our relationship with or our thought work with certain words. Regret, um, failure, what is success, fear. It's all what you think it is, what you define it to be. I do a lot of thought work, that's why. And thoughts lead into emotions and our emotions are what guide us into our actions, right? Yeah. So now did you, did you always have this mindset um, or is that something that came to you through an event, a life event? Is it something that you developed over time through doing some work? for yourself tell, tell me more about that because i saw you i saw you shake your head <laughs> god i wish i knew this in my 30s um no i i'm really doing more thought work um that's kind of a um i don't want to say style but i guess it is a style of coaching because i had to be coached and i had to learn a lot um, I, I kid around, and I guess we can um, back engineer it. I kid around that my clients turned me into a coach because it was my personal training clients that started talking to me. So let's backtrack to 2020. Through that summer and that fall, a lot of my clients would talk to me after their sessions or off our sessions about their, their friends and their colleagues and, and their family who were just having a really hard time, even though they might not admit it, with all the COVID things, um, their kids were at home, they were on Zoom, everybody was working off the dining room table, the partner was home, you know, and even the women pulled their big girl pants up and took care of business. A lot of women were either in charge of their staff or in charge of their business. So they were always on from three in the morning till nine at night and there were no barriers or they were afraid of being indispensable, not being indispensable and being let go because there were a lot of furloughs and stuff at the time. So mm -hmm. people were going, and they still are. It's like, it's hybrid. You're allowed to go back. You're not. Do I want to? Um, the kids are now going back to school. You know, we're still going through this. Um, so a lot of women let fitness, back to the personal training, just fall off that calendar. Fitness was the first thing that goes like, I have no time. 
when at the time it was my mission, like any woman at any age, at any fitness level, no matter what your, your schedule is, can fit fitness in your life. And why is it important? No, not to look great in a bikini, although that's nice, but it's because your health affects every single aspect of your life. Your brain, whether you have brain fog, your, your clarity of thinking, your productivity, so you can be a badass woman in your career, so you can be more present in your relationships, have a better sex life, be more present with your family, be more present for yourself. Um, it affects every aspect of your life. Your health affects every subset of your life. It really does. It really does. That was huge for me. My, yeah. my, I'm healthier now at 53 than I was yeah. all through my 40s. And part of it is that when I turned 48, I, 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 I realized I hit the wall and I couldn't focus and I was um, lonely and had a little bit of anger and different things going on. And I realized I needed to change some stuff. So I started getting up in the morning. I, I gave myself a 30-day challenge to get up before my kids every morning and meditate and exercise. And ex I had dabbled in both and always felt better when I did. I always said I did yoga, but it frankly it was inconsistent at best. And every and I would constantly find that I would push myself too far in the beginning. I'd have an injury and then I would stop and then it would be weeks while I was healing. I'm putting that in quotes, you know, but I didn't find something else to do where so now I'm like, no, I move my body every day. That's my commitment to myself whether it's yoga, whether it's walking, whether it's something else. And the difference is incredible, incredible. What it does for my mindset to move my body every day is a total game changer. Okay, so, so I, wanna, I wanna back up with you. Before, you. before you became a coach, so now I have you in my head as a health and wellness coach. And now what I'm hearing is that you're kind of doing a lot of mindset work that has evolved. And before you ever started doing any of the coaching, tell us a little bit about your journey. Like, where did you come up against the wall? And what were the things that you found out you had to overcome to get you to where you are now? Well, I just want to add to what you said when I was a trainer and now especially. What you went through is so common. Therefore, you're normal. People start off like, I'm going to do this all now, especially with the New Year's resolutions. Boom, boom, boom. They stumble over themselves. It takes time. We didn't get to be 42, 47, 52, knowing all this and doing things. When you were born, you didn't know how to brush your teeth. Your mom had to teach you. It takes time to condition yourself into conditioned temperature program. So it takes time to reprogram your body and your mindset. So too many people start off with like, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week, or I'm going to work out hard in that garage four times a week. And they go to CrossFit and they do the YouTube videos and then they burn out, they injure themselves to forget it. So it really should start off slowly and habits are much better and easier to form. That is working out, whatever, meditating, journaling, if you enjoy it. So find what you enjoy doing, because when I, I do a workout plan with my clients and um, so we start off with a calendar and I'm like, okay, what do you do on Monday? What do you do on Tuesday? Well, I can, I can. It's like, no, no, don't say you, you will or you probably can. What will you realistically do? Or when people ask me, Pilates or yoga? Yes. What? Which one will you do? You know, so it's like, or any diet in the whole wide world on the face of the earth works if you do it. So you said the word consistency. So anything works 
if you enjoy it and if you do it. Yeah. So start off slowly. And with me, um, I'll answer your question now. I was in journalism. I was a news anchor reporter since 1997. I was a producer. Well, before then, I was a producer, a producer. And then in 97, I got on air. And I was a, a TV reporter in San Diego for years. Well, first I started off in Palm Springs, this, the big, the small market. Then I went to Fresno and then I went to San Diego and my parents were there. My sister was there. Um, I moved to Los Angeles because of life-changing things. My husband and I were incompatible. I love him to this day. He loves me, but we were incompatible from the first date. But I was young and stupid, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. Um, and actually, I wasn't that young. I got married at 33 the first time. But to me, I was young. Um, and we stayed together 12 years, but he asked me to give it one more go because we were thinking of splitting. And he moved to L.A., and I gave up my TV job, and I moved to Los Angeles, and I went on radio, which I loved. But that's how I kind of transitioned. I made my decision to, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to give it one more go. We stayed together five years. We got a divorce very amicable we were best friends yeah uh, friends i should say not best that's friends. an accomplishment in and of itself to to do it yeah. amicably congrats and you know and it's a hard thing to to give up something clearly that you were dedicated you know clearly your commitment was there you made the move you did all the work and you know and i've been there i i did get married too young the first time around and um oh. still love his you know still love him still think he's a great guy but was not the right match you know yeah um, the right match yeah and uh yeah. yeah but kudos to you for being able to amicably um make that transition that's amazing yeah so then but, what then what you're there in LA and well that's just it you can do all the counseling we got marriage counseling you do everything but if you're not ready to work on yourself and decide okay what do I really want and it's okay and I just thought my marriage failed I just didn't want to be a failure at my marriage and I wanted to give it all my go because I'm a nice Catholic girl. So I had to pray on it and I can't get divorced. Oh my God. So that was my story. But finally, we got, a, we got a split. And in the meantime, I was in LA and my hip started hurting. What does that have to do with anything? Well, my hip was hurting all the time. Then my butt was hurting. It's like, what is going on? So I finally went to one of the best doctors, Western medical doctor. Um, I say that for a reason. Mm -hmm. And barely looked at me, Yvonne prescription pad mm. he gave me a patch and i'm like well what's this for well i had uh her, what I degenerative disc disease well that sounds horrible because at the time i didn't know what that was say so it again never... it was a little it was a little weird on the sound it was a degenerative what disease degenerative disc disease disc well you hear disease. disease you're like what yeah. um so i up and i'm the kind that asks million questions in anything to this day but he just would not spend the time of day with me. Well, degenerative disc disease just means the liquid between your vertebrae is drying up and it's happening to you right now as you're sitting there. We're getting older. It happens. But he just made it sound so horrible. And I'm like, okay, but the medicine isn't fixing it. It's just making the pain go away when I have it on, the patch. So I went to another doctor. Four chiropractors later, decompression with the machine, which made me feel worse, um, I still didn't understand what had happened now. But then I found out later is remember aerobics mm -hmm. now cardio, but I just pounded the heck out of my body doing, I jogged, I did the step classes. I did the Jane Fonda's. I did all that. 
I really was not a, into, into weights. Once in all, I don't know if you remember Nautilus, I started dabbling in the machines, what are these? Yeah. But I counted my body. And after all of these chiropractors and Western medical doctors, and one doctor wanted to fuse my spine, thank goodness I didn't do it. Um, my husband came home, that my ex now, and said, I just went to a health fair and I talked to this chiropractor. I'm like, I've been to four. He's like, well, just go, it's a free consultation. I went to this doctor. And he was just looking at me. He kind of looked at my spine. He's like, it sounds like you just need to learn how to work out properly. Okay. He put me with a corrective exercise specialist, personal trainer. Within two weeks, I didn't hurt anymore. Wow. And she told me how to strength train properly, proper form. And I was so into doing all this research and I was reading, blah, 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 blah. I talked to her for almost a year. My insurance paid for it. And she said, and I was 46. I was 45 turning 46. Like you need to become a personal trainer. You need to be a personal trainer. Like I'm in my forties. I'm in news. Now I was in PR at the time and news doing radio. I'm like, I was never an athlete ever. And she's like, well, you just need to do it because women will relate to you and you know how to explain things. And you're so into it. Mm -hmm. So later at 46, I woke up one morning. I thought, what do I want to be the next 20 years of my life? think I'll be a personal trainer. I mean, who does that? And, you know, people were like, it's going to take you a long time. You're going to fail this test because I decided to do NASA and that's the hardest one. I'm like, no, I don't have time to fail. You know, I, I did the audible. I was always power walking, listening to the lessons, doing the, the flashcards, passed on the first go. So at 46, um, I started training. Skinned my knees with that, learned a lot of lessons about customer service, guest relations, because I just wanted to pour all this knowledge and my enthusiasm. It's like, people have to go slow. Mm. so i i learned a like lot about it, it was it like you were giving them information like drinking from a fire hydrant yeah they're like oh too much <laughs> you know people are excited at first but then they burn out so yeah. Yeah. so i learned a lot mostly about the human psyche and as you go on as a personal trainer you have to keep getting certified every two years so in my in my continuing education i would take things like how do you train people who do martial arts not doing martial i didn't get certified in doing martial arts. How do you train people who do martial arts? Um, how do you train? I got certified in senior fitness. I got my silver sneaker certification. I got TRX. So I have a lot of those. So I learned a lot. I even started training women who would come to me. I have to get pregnant. They would talk to me about the hormones. So I'd have to do my homework about it. Or I am pregnant. It's like, well, if I'm doing all this homework, I may as well get certified. So I got a certification. I studied for over a year for the pre postnatal and pregnancy fitness. So I learned a lot. But the more I learned about about the human body, the more I learned, Yvonne, about it all starts here, especially pregnant women. You were pregnant. You had kids. I didn't. I found from, from the handful of pregnant women that I, I trained that even though there have been billions of women who have had babies, each one of those women was different in her experience. Yeah. Not yeah. one was alike. Some had stuff and some didn't, you know? Yeah. Yep. It, it's it's crazy. So okay, wow. So you so you found all these um, specializations within that you studied, and it yeah. sounds like I mean, how awesome! How awesome that you know you found something that was dry that you felt driven by clearly, um, and and it sounds like it was really fulfilling for you right out of the gate to be helping people um, with their well, because women. Women and men, because I trained a lot of men at the time in, in the beginning, would always come to me with their, their their problems and their barriers. Like, I can't do this. I can't do that. Blah, 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 or, or injuries. Or I mean, I even trained a gentleman in a wheelchair. 
And he taught me a lot. I trained two legally blind people. But my point was, I always wanted to bring people to, you can work out, you can exercise your muscles and your body and your heart is a muscle. You just can't take it out of your body and pump iron. So you have to let it go faster and slower, faster and slower. You can work out and exercise at any fitness level, no matter what you th- what challenge you may have and at any age. That was like my mission. I mean, I was 46 and I was a personal trainer and I still am to 56. But, you know, when COVID hit, I was 54. My mission was that. And it's evolved since then. Yeah. Because at, my, at the time, what, what fulfilled me was showing people that you can work out no matter what. Really. What have what have you learned about yourself in in this journey of um, you know going from being in journalism and PR and making that switch to the personal training? Like, what did you learn about yourself in making that that shift at forty six? Okay, two things. You kind of triggered something. I became a reporter because everybody told me to. Mm. Um, and when you're young and, you know, I may not look that great here on camera here and now, but you, you know, look awesome. Stop. <laughs> it really was about looking cute. It's like, but you've got the yeah. thing. Right? And since I, I was a behind the scenes person in my twenties, I would set up everything, logistics, fuel producing for all the correspondence. And I would get in front of the camera and do like the mic checks and make sure the, ca- the camera guy is set up right. And I would do the stand-up so that the, the lady would know what to do or the correspondent. And so a lot of the cameramen were like, you're good at this. You should do this. And then when I came back to the States, because I did this in France, by the way, I worked for CBS News in France. Um, and I worked for different sports things like Roland Garros, the Tour de France. I would just set up stuff, logistics. When I came back, I really should have become a producer because I was good at getting things together. But but somebody gave me a shot of weather and it was so ridiculous. It was in Palm Springs because the green screen was behind me. I was like pointing to Minnesota when I should have been pointing to Colorado. I mean, it was ridiculous, but I, I can't imagine it. how hard that is. <laughs> it was fun. You're, like, had- you're like the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz, right? <laughs> With point. Oh, that's funny. That's, that's true. And, and I did it. In a, and so people kept saying, well, you're on air now. And since I was on air and people wanted to be on air, I became a reporter. And it was because people said, well, you're, you're a reporter now. And then I was anchoring and it's like, but I never really liked the business. Mm. And I went to that, but the higher you get in the business, God, you know, competition and, and not mm. in the best. Um, I didn't like that part. I should have really become a producer because I, my favorite part of reporting was when I would come back from the, from the story and write the script and sit with the editor and choose the shots and choose the sound bites. I love the creative part of it. But I learned to listen more to myself. That's what you learn in your 30s, 40s, whatever. So in transitioning as a personal trainer, what I loved was that sense of fulfillment. It's like, how do you describe that ping, Yvonne? That ping is what I call it. It's like, I'm good at this and I'm helping people. When I was a reporter, I was okay. I was a good reporter. I was a good anchor, but I didn't get that ping unless I got the great stories and, and the story for some reason fulfilled me because the people liked it. My favorite stories were really people stories. I didn't like the who, what, when, where, why I'm at, I'm at a, a shooting. I didn't like the drive-bys. I didn't like all that. Yeah. I just, I was good at it, but I didn't like, it, you know, and then, and, and I hated the ones where I'm sorry, your son died. How do you feel? 
type of stories. Mm-hmm. They feel. But that's those where if it bleeds, it leads. And I just didn't like the business anymore of local news. Mm-hmm. I know I'm putting it down, but it's true. And when I made the decision to leave, it really was one of those stories. I'm like, I don't like this anymore. So then I just became a radio anchor and I liked that. I was on the mic, I was in the studio, I would anchor. But then I left for personal reasons in 2016. And the reason I, I have gone into coaching and studying to be certified is because I find myself on Zoom <laughs> and being able to work online. And for the rest of my life, I decided I want to do this because everybody needs a coach, whether you call it a coach or you're in group coaching because you're always growing and evolving and it's hard to make decisions by yourself, but it really is in there. It really is. You got, I, I find that I get myself in this loop chain and it's so helpful to have somebody to bounce that stuff off of, you know, and some, and important that it's not necessarily somebody who is um, part of your life. I love that you said that everybody needs a coach. And even if it's not a one-on-one coach, if you can at least find a group of people where you can, a community where you can coach each other. And that is the one thing of, in, in doing this podcast that when I talk to people like you and you've made a change, there has been a coaching aspect to it that some, everybody seems to have had to have gotten help from somebody else. And I've always been a, a kind of pull, pull myself up by my bootstraps and do things myself kind of girl. And at, the, at this age, I'm finally realizing I'm limiting myself by not letting myself get help. You know? And it's not advice because listen, I had mentors and I had leaders lead me, let, let my, I allowed myself. Now I know this. I allowed myself to be led mm-hmm. into a career that I really didn't want or a part of that aspect that I didn't really want. Um, so if I had been coached in my thirties, cause I always thought, what the heck is a coach? Cause my sister and some other people told me you should be a life coach. You should be a coach, blah, 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 blah. Years ago, I'm like, who gets life coaches? Like real housewives. I mean, and I thought, okay, executive coaches, um, people who have a lot of money and they're up there. I really thought coaching is for rich people. That was my bias. I had no idea until I started looking into it. It's like, no, it's, and there are like 17 types of coaches. I mean, there are menopause coaches, there are career coaches, there are um, lifestyle, which is different from life coaching, um, holistic coaching. Yeah, and you may, you may start with one coach for something in particular and then, okay, your time with them is, was good and then solid. And now it's time, okay, let's check out a coach for something else and see where you I always think it like the more we can stay curious about ourselves and our journey yeah. and stay open to what's next that what you wanted yesterday may not be what you want tomorrow yeah. you know and and I found that I started off as a fitness coach I'm like no that's not really what I'm gonna do and then I called myself a wellness coach it's probably why you heard that on clubhouse over a year ago or like a year ago because I thought, well, I'm in health, I'm in fitness, so I'll call myself a wellness coach. But the more I got into it, it's like, do I really want to just focus on this aspect, just the wellness and health and fitness? And I found that, no, I really am a holistic. And I found out also holistic is just means tying the mind and the body. So mm-hmm. take care of every aspect. So I now understand what a holistic coach is. And again, I thought it was woo-woo. So I had to go on, you know, 
just the dictionary. What is holistic? And then I started exploring that. So I have evolved in this past year. It's yeah, all- and I just want to address the word woo-woo because it has so many negative connotations, right? I mean, yeah. it, it is, it's it's really a negative word it, the, way, the way it gets used. And the thing is, is that the woo-woo stuff is backed by science, the more you look <laughs> at it. Like if you really do the research on, you know, people talk about manifestation and that triggers woo-woo alarm <laughs> bells all over the place, right? But it really all manifestation is, is your reticular activating system of your brain. You know that word. Yeah, looking for, <laughs> looking for evidence, right? And and yes. and then manifesting because you're paying attention and what you pay attention to is what ends up coming into your life. And so if you're paying attention to the bad stuff and what you don't want, you're just going to bring more of it into your life because you're paying all that attention to it. It just keeps sucking it back in. And if you're paying attention to where you want to go, what you want, what you're dreaming of, then you start seeing possibilities everywhere. The brain's amazing that way, right? You hit it on the nail because our lizard brains just want to protect us. Mm -hmm. And when you start giving yourself pieces of evidence of first your capabilities, so you're not lying to yourself, your capabilities. Well, here's evidence that I'm capable of this. It's true. So, and you give yourself, okay, I could be a coach because I have coached when I was talking to my clients and I wasn't being paid for it, I was coaching them. And so much that they said, you should be a coach. Well, there's the evidence. Or I have abundance. When Whenever I pick up a penny or I find a dollar in my jeans before the laundry or whatever, it's like, I have abundance. It's your, your reframe. You're telling your brain, okay, that's evidence or whatever it is, your capabilities. And then you start giving them evidence of the reality. Like you started doing push-ups. Like you started doing after the challenge, you know, you do something every day. You're not only capable of it, you're doing it. So that's how you progress. So it's true. And manifest is a noun, like here's your my manifest destiny or my manifest in a ship, but it's also a verb. It's action. I am creating, I am manifesting. It's not like you're calling it in and wishing it. You're manifesting it. It's actually a verb, all the actions you're taking from your decision, okay, take stock. What is it that I really want? And then you take actions. Like, how does that make you feel? Does that align with my core values? Does that align with my mission statement? So you start with a big mission statement, but then all your other actions, your daily actions, your daily decisions come from that. And of course, you're, like you said, your lizard brain is going to go back to, I don't want this, or I do want this because it's just trying to protect you from change. Man does not like change. We have right. to say, why do we want change? And then wanting, the reason why you want that change is what drives you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just really about getting out of your own way, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that's, and that's where we co- get into the habit chain. Okay. So let's talk about habits. And then and okay. then, I, I, time is just flying. I'm loving this. Yeah, it is. Um, but let's talk about habits real quick. If you wouldn't mind, just give your best tip or the first thing that comes to mind to somebody who knows that they need to make a change or and it's something that they've been whether it's weight loss whether it's whatever it is they they just not get you know they're not able to to get themselves to do the thing like they've been trying to willpower their way through stuff what can they do habit wise that might tip the balance for them well first i like to say i put together a really fun I'm a new artist, but I went into Canva and I made this PDF with pictures and a little graph 
and it's in my Instagram bio. If you go in my link tree, it's Ronnie Low Life Coach, Ronnie Low Life Coach on Instagram. Great. You'll see the, I think I call it the easy peasy habit stacking. And it's, it's my artwork. So I'm like a third grader when it comes to art, but it has a list of, of actionable things you can do and suggestions and ideas, but mainly, mainly it's bullet pointed. So it outlines what a habit is and what habit stacking is. That's I fantastic. It- I will put that in show notes for people to link to as well. Beautiful. So we'll have it in a couple of places for people. Okay. Good. So it's free, but the main thing, I call it habit chaining, whatever it is. First of all, you have to give yourself a reason or people do habits because of the instant gratification of what, however that makes you feel, whether it's, you know, biting your nails or, I'm going to go get something to eat right now because it's emotional, whether it's a bigger thing or I don't work out. Okay. I'm going to start small. Okay. So let's call it the the push-ups, right? I chained it like a link chain to brushing my teeth. So to me, brushing my teeth includes doing my push-ups. In other words, it's not two different things. I'm not adding something to my calendar I'm making a minute and it's part of brushing my teeth. I cannot brush my teeth until I do my push-ups. Let's say you um, want to just get in a little walk. As soon as you get home from work or as soon as you finish your work, if you're at home, you tie it to something you already do. Do you have to walk the dog? Okay, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to take a brisk walk. Or I'm going to start dinner for the family. Starting dinner, the definition of that is 10 minutes of exercise and then start the dinner. So the 10 minutes of exercise is part of your routine. It's Mm -hmm. not, I'm gonna let it go because I gotta start. No, I cannot start dinner unless I do, okay, five minutes of exercise. See what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. like pain. And it makes a difference, right? Five or 10 minutes of exercise. I mean, you might think, oh, what's the point? But it it makes a big difference just to do that. And part of that, if, if, you, you tell me if I'm on track here, but this has been my experience of it, um, is even if I only do five or 10 minutes, I can still say to myself, I did my, I did exercise for today. I moved my body for today. And it, what it creates in me is a a trust in myself that I did what I said I was going to do. Even if it wasn't like, I try to do a minimum of 20 minutes, but if I can't, it's like, okay, five, 10, that's what I could do today. And I didn't do nothing. And then confidence comes from that. It does. But I invite you, Yvonne, right there, two things. You said the word only. Take your lipstick and put a big red cross over the word only. (laughs) Okay. I did five minutes. Yes, happy day. dinner. (laughs) Or let's start that breakfast. I only did 20 minutes. I wanted to do 20 minutes. No, I'm going to do five minutes right now. And celebrate that win because physically, when you celebrate or you do a little gopher dance from Caddyshack or you give yourself a high five in the mirror or whatever it is you do, physically, it connects with your brain. It's like triumph. And I have yet to meet one person, one, who the second they finish a workout, whether by themselves or in in training with me, that feels like, oh, I regret just having worked out. Never. The hard part is getting to it. I'm always happy I did it. Always. Yes. You feel that sense of accomplishment. So when I do five minutes, like, yes. And if you do five minutes, four times a day, that adds up to 20 minutes, you know, find what works for you, but whatever habit it is, let's say for some people, they just don't want to journal. It's like, oh, I don't have time. I'm going to write about there's, and that is something else that, that I have coached people on because I'm not, I thought I wasn't a journaler. 
There's so many ways of starting, maybe doodle, maybe sketch, maybe write three things a morning. That's it. It it opens you up to just thinking. It doesn't have to be the free-flowing, creative, I have to write five pages. It can be just a few doodles. I had a lady who just did lines and then like you draw a line and then a line from it and then another line. And she was just doing it mindlessly. It's like, oh, and she thought of something she had to write it down before she forgot. It ended up causing her to journal. So let's say you want to do that. It's like, I'm going to set that timer before I check my email, before I take care of the world, I'm going to journal. So I'm starting the stuff in the morning that you have to do includes you chain it, you link it to doing something. I don't care if it's 30 seconds or at night, I'm going to read a page. No, I'm not going to read a chapter. No, I'm not going to read five pages. I want to start reading more. Turn off that TV, turn off my, stop looking at Instagram on my phone. I'm going to read every night. Before I turn off the light, I read one page. So you start linking it to something you already do. So that's the chaining or habit stacking as, as it's called now, because habit chaining was something that they started doing in the thirties and forties and there are studies on it. And then some great books and systems came out in the past three or four or five years. I'm sure you're, you're familiar with some of them. Um, Atomic Habits is one book and the other book, I think, is 10 Minute Habits. Tiny, Tiny Habits Tiny is another habits. one. Yeah. And that's the there one. was another one that I read when I was doing this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. The power of a habit is is incredible. And to get rid of a habit, what is the cost of that habit? Because your brain wants to be rewarded. Why do you do something? Because you're used to it from the second you wake up in the morning. What you do every day consistently is a habit. It just mm -hmm. is. It's who you are. So what you do all day, consistently, every day, is your identity. It's who you are. So if you want to get rid of a bad habit, it, first, you define it as a bad habit. Why do you do that bad habit? First, find why. What can replace that with a good habit? You need a reward. You really do. Some people put like a paperclip every time they, they think of doing that bad habit. I'm going to put a paperclip. And then they see the jar for paperclips. It's a win. It's a celebration. If you have emotional eating, that's a whole nother subject we can coach through. But why, what triggers that supposed emotion? What can calm that trigger down? Maybe it is doing five minutes of breath work. Maybe it is something else, but something that truly isn't like, okay, I'm going to do this breath work. Damn it, it didn't work. No, it's like, what will work for you? Maybe doing some jumping jacks instead of eating. Maybe calling your accountability partner. I want to emotionally eat. Whatever it is, yeah. some will replace that. Love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. And I, again, I'll have um, the contact information for p how people can find you. So now I know we can find you on Instagram and it's, is it Ronnie O Life Coach? Ronnie Lowe Life Ronnie, Coach? Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, L-O Life Coach. It's just the first two letters of my last name, Lowe. Ronnie Lowe Life Coach. And I think I'm Ronnie Life Coach in um, Clubhouse. And find me on LinkedIn. That's where I love going on LinkedIn and reading other people's shares and, and lots of uh, lots of stuff. And I'm um, also I started a Facebook group, and I know you'll put this in the context that I would love for anybody at any age. But it's called Fab After Forty Women's Health and Mindset Hub, and it's a really fun group where we just share everything about wellness and That's go in there. Great about so it's a really great resource oh my goodness fantastic well thank you so much for your time and the the tips Yvonne, and i also want to celebrate you how old is your podcast now uh, Over a year and a half just about i started in june of 2020 yeah that was my yeah yeah 
crazy. My life has completely changed since I, you know, since I made the decision to do it and started down this path. Um, I, I feel like a new person. It's been amazing. And you're, you're not now not only an expert, so people probably turn to you, how do I start a podcast? How do I do this? You're an expert now. And you're putting out there so much great information from so many different women for other people. So celebrate yourself. I think that's all. Thank you. And, and I, I'm going to I'm going to take to heart. I just want you to know that I'm going to take to heart that um, taking out the only from those things, because I do. I you know, how many times do. OK, so I just I'm going to go on a little rant here, but I can't be the only one who does this. No, I did not. this yesterday. The, the day that I planned didn't happen, but I did a bajillion things. And yeah. I still at the end of literally every day i have done a bajillion things to move the ball forward and it's never enough and i don't celebrate that i did yes i did that i did that and i think i'm not the only person who does this right exactly it's our own negative self-talk so yeah. look at the negative self-talk go but what's the silver lining with the yin for the yang did i accomplish okay yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's my nugget for today that I've taken from yeah. my conversation with you. And I and it's, it's no small thing. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Yay. Yay. Well, there you have it. I, I'm so struck by really one of the first things that Ronnie said when we started talking. She said, it all starts here. And you couldn't see what she was doing, but she was pointing to her, her head when she said that. It all starts here. Everything that we do and feel originates with how we're thinking. And I kind of like the duality of it all starts here in that it all starts here from where you are. And if you're looking to change your habits, if you're looking to take on something new, start here. Start here and now, start fresh. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. <laughs> so I wanna remind you, of course, July 12th, put it on your calendar. I hope you will join us. Um, if you can't make it to the Zoom call, join the community anyway. There's gonna be lots of good things going on. It'll be like, of like a Facebook group in its own way, um, but it will not be in Facebook. It'll be in a, a separate platform. Um, but you can go to midlifeuprising.com to check all that out. If you have any questions, email me or get in touch with me. Um, you can send me a message on Instagram also. So that is it for this week, my friend. Thank you so much for joining and listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.